You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. Oneofus.net and all of the shows on it are 100% subscriber supported. Please consider becoming a subscriber to oneofus.net. Keep the site and all of our great shows going and get some terrific bonus content as well. Once upon a time in Hollywood, or as I call it, Quentin Tarantino's Hollywood graffiti. <laughs> yeah, you thought about that on the car on the way over. And, uh, a little, because well, I that when might have we been were, the only movie he didn't reference, uh, right? Well, I mean, I feel directly, like, like at least in terms of like uh, uh, tone, I feel like that was there to some okay. extent. This is, this reminds me of a little bit of a Bogdanovich sort of like feeling as well. You're gonna pull up Bogdanovich well, already? Well, well, you know what? He, you've seen that documentary on Netflix about Bogdanovich? Yeah, he's like prominently in it. About they all laughed and making up the all. He, yeah, I mean, he's such a fanboy of that movie. Well, yeah. yeah. If anybody other director in Hollywood, Tarantino reminds me of. It is Bogdanovich because they are both the ultimate fanboys of yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, without, without question. And this is uh, is Tarantino's deep throating of Hollywood. Yes, <laughs> like this is this is his. I feel like that's still underselling it. Really. And I think, yeah, Jesus. it's it's it's, uh, it's Tarantino. Yes. Yeah, Tarantino does Hollywood. That, that's Tarantino. <laughs> you, nailed, you nailed it, Chris. This is Tarantino deep throating it and also remembering to fondle the balls. <laughs> Indeed, it is. Uh, I'm Chris. Oh, you went there, ben. I am Chris. That's Frank. That's Ben. That's Marco. I'm Marco, apparently the only guy who's not getting his balls uh, sucked right now. So thank you for putting wow. that image in my head, Ben. movie's underage. Wait, are, there, is, are balls getting sucked? Nobody told me. You, you know what? The people who are listening to this, they don't know if we're not. <laughs> so just okay. picture all radio all of the mind. Please ignore the slurping noises. I'm not yes. cheering now. I've trained my cats well. <laughs> oh, those tongues are rough. It's, it's like a- sandpaper. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. But there are only three, and guests always come first. So, <laughs> Literally. <laughs> what uh, are they in cat years? I, I so don't anyway. Want, you know, I don't want to like have it's any legal. kind of... It's okay, legal. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, so... Where did we go with this? Here's the thing. Here? Here's the thing about you, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's going to be very difficult to talk about how we feel about this film without giving big spoilers. So, yeah. uh, in that, uh, with that being said, we're going to start off basically with final thoughts. Uh, <laughs> oh, we to, are? Yes. Oh, okay. To, so, ah, so, gotcha. that, so that we can, like, <laughs> while avoiding anything even vaguely resembling a spoiler. So then we can just move to a full-on open discussion of this film, which I feel like Tarantino's the kind of director it's hard to not judge his whole film and it's a, talk about his film in its entirety, and this one in particular, for reasons we'll get to. But all that being said, if you've not seen it, and you're a person who doesn't want to know ahead of time, you should probably go, when when we give you the warning, go, you know, press is stop. This, is this the first Tarantino film that we've done, that needed to do this for? Uh, I don't know. I, don't I think remember. more than most. I mean, you yeah, know, right? yeah. even Tarantino himself at Cannes was like asking people like, please don't spoil the movie. Yeah, that's not, re- that's not and, really the case with most of his films, I feel. Like. Which is always a, an odd thing to me that people feel the need to tell critics that. I mean, I, I'm not a real critic. I just play one on the internet. But, but we still, <laughs> we all know it's just common sense when you talk about a movie. Well, you don't just spoil well, you it would say people. that, but when was the last time you were on Facebook? Well, you know. <laughs> yeah, trust I me, mean, I, I've met some of the critics who would spoil the thing. Three seconds yeah. after this thing comes out, there will be memes you will see on Facebook that give away the big things. At the yeah. End of this I, I'm, my best friend spoiled six cents for me, so people do do that. Oh, my God. Oh, oh. Right 
Just well, I've really that. said in Dark City. Bruce Willis shaved his head. head. <laughs> he starts again. I, I'm actually of Damn the opinion it. that <laughs> nowadays when we have this whole like spoiler phobia, uh, personally, I'm of the opinion that a good movie can survive a little spoiling because a movie is not about its reveal. It's not about its twist. It's what... It's the experience of watching it. It's watching it within the context of the film. But at the same time, so, people don't want to wait for something coming, you know. Oh, sure. Yeah. But the thing is, most people, when they tell me, oh, this is a spoiler, it's really not that big of a spoiler. With this particular film, though, I think the spoiler rule is absolutely required. And, because and I, it's what that rare film that justifies the spoiler rule. Uh, and But I also actually think that pretty much that – I disagree with you. I think that film goes uh, – you, you said the very words I would use to defend against spoiling films. Like, this, this film is meant to be taken as a whole – and that means this guy took this film into hoping that people who didn't read the Wikipedia synopsis of it first <laughs> and experienced it the way he set it up for you to sure. experience it and have these these revelations come. Why would you make a film in the context of saying, oh, no, it's fine if people know everything that happens before. No, no, but it's, it's like when people go, like, oh, no. Like, I never read the Wikipedia uh, oh, yeah. no. synopsis no. for that very reason. No, exactly. Yeah. But, but uh, It's but, like when people say, but well, if you want man make, dies in this, but, it's like... Well, I know they're making another Spider-Man movie. Did I so miss a scene in this? Movie? He's not going to die. No, no, I'm talking about like a big spoiler. Like I remember after watching Endgame, or not Endgame, but Infinity War, it was like, oh my god, Peter Parker. If you had told me that Peter Parker was going to die before I saw that movie, I mean that would suck. But I also know they're making another movie with Spider-Man, so we know he's not going to be dead. But long there's something day. about that, and con- it's how it plays out. It's and it's, it's the beauty of watching it happen, watching it happen, which is why that which it happens is why doesn't do, ruin it. Decidedly for anti-spoilers because oh like, no, I'm anti-spoilers. And as well, saying like if you're one of those people who are like, well, it doesn't bother me. Are you incapable of understanding that it really bothers a lot of other yeah, people? No, exactly. It's still a dick <laughs> move. I just think people <laughs> get a little bit out of. For me, this is a movie that definitely. Is it is hard to talk about? I could talk about a lot of movies without spoiling it, but the reveals I know are not like huge, crucial elements. There is a spoiler buried in this movie, and it is the key to how you're going to appreciate the movie. All right, that so is so true. That is so incredibly true. We are talking around it. Let's just <laughs> talk about it. Yeah. First off, our two big stars here, and definitely, the, I mean, literally the poster stars are Leonardo DiCaprio playing Rick Dalton, uh, a television actor who is well known for a very sort of gun smokish type TV <laughs> yeah. show that it's ran for a long right? time. Yeah. And, and like, and some B movies that sounded like had a cult following. Yeah. Sound you like know? ones that now Chris would be raving about. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and Arrow would be putting them out. Arrow would be putting them out. Uh, and he's kind of in a point of his career where he's trying to figure out what to do. He's being offered a bunch of roles on television, on other shows, but always as the bad guy. I mean, his show, he was playing a guy who was a ruthless bounty hunter, but he was the anti-hero protagonist. Right, yeah. So now he's like, all he's getting these. And our big opening scene is Al Pacino is like an agent who's like, look, man, that's great. You're getting work. But what you don't realize is you're damaging your whole brand. You're, so much people are redefining you as the guy who gets beaten up by all the 
other yeah, stars. You're the villain of the week, and it's just basically saying, "Here's the new you killing the old you." Yeah, welcome yeah. the new you. Yeah, and it's like you, you're you're failing, and you need to go to Italy and start doing spaghetti westerns. Which, in retrospect of everything we know now, is probably a good good That's idea. Good good yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other big star is Brad Pitt as Cliff Booth, who is uh, Rick Dalton's longtime best friend. They've been working together for years. Uh, he's been a stuntman on a. He said, "Ever since the uh, the second season, I think he said uh, of, uh, of, yes, of yeah. the show, yeah. But, yeah, Bounty Law, Bounty Law, yeah, <laughs> like great." And now he's at that point where, like, because of his career, there's just not a lot. He's not getting a lot of roles in things where he's the big prima donna. So Brad Pitt's not getting a lot of work. So Leo is kind of paying him to just be his guy, his gopher guy, his yeah. assistant. His it just he's a paid buddy. Yeah. You know, he's the entourage, if you will. Yeah, yeah. An entourage of one who will also <laughs> fix your antenna when it who falls off the roof. gets things done, though. Yeah. He's the yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's, he's like, keeping him in check. He's, he's, him in line. he's the badass that Leonardo DiCaprio depend, pretends to be on screen. Yeah. 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 You know, he's the guy in real life is actually that badass guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know. Um, he's also like a Jiminy Cricket in a lot of ways. <laughs> I really feel like he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Who like, may or on. may not have killed his wife. <laughs> come on, partner. Yeah, yeah. Who may or may not have killed his wife. I love that. Yeah, there's a running but, but joke. What did that have it's so random. I love it. So so, well, I mean, oh I get God. it. It's a, a setup why it's that much more difficult for him to get work. Yeah. Because it's widely believed that he killed his wife on a boat. Uh, and like he was acquitted, but everyone's convinced he killed his wife and got away with it. It kind of gives him like he also never denies it. It it adds adds this whole like no more fucks to give sort of attitude that he like yeah. And it's established that he's a war hero. I kind of was hoping that he would be like his character from Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's, he's part of the Tarantino-verse, and then I realized that the, the ages wouldn't have lined up. No. Uh, so those are the two, and we spend the, the definitely the bulk of the film following them in their adventures. He's getting a, a, a job on a, playing, like I said, the kind of role he's been doing, a villain on someone else's TV show, being my man Timothy Oliphant. Yeah. <laughs> playing a television western star. What a stretch for Timothy. I, he's playing uh, James Stacy as well. I loved all these these people yeah. playing real people. I love. Let's say I'd that. watch the hell out of that show with Timothy Oliphant if he had a full real cowboy show. Oh, but on the other side, we have some other characters here, which are are even though those two are both fictional characters, uh, everyone else is pretty much everyone else in this movie is yeah. based on a real person. Yeah. Margot Robbie plays Sharon Tate, not Shannon Tate, not Sharon Shannon. Tate. No. Despite what the person doing the intro exactly. kept saying. I was Marco like, and I were on. just like, oh, oh, cringe. I was going, like, you should not be saying the name <laughs> yeah. Sharon Tate with such joy and saying her name wrong. So yeah. uh, <laughs> we've got her and the, and the, and that she lives, uh, she and Roman Polanski live in the house right next door to Leo DiCaprio, right? Like it's literally right That's next door, even though they've just moved in. Uh, they don't even know each other. Like none of them know each other. And, and Leo's kind of like, Man, Roman Polanski is one of the greatest directors in the world, and he's like living right next door. Maybe I get to meet him. Like he's kind of starstruck by all I'm that. Still a nobody. <laughs> but yeah, you got like Emil Hirsch as Jay Sebring, who's there. Uh, who was who's playing Roman Polanski? I'm forgetting. It's a, it's a Polish Paul, actor. Somebody. Yeah, I, yeah, I recognized him. I was like, yeah. who is that guy? But but he, so we're seeing those guys yeah. and them sort of like. Like, tooling around Hollywood. We're also seeing the Manson family, although literally Charlie Manson has maybe 20 seconds one on shot, screen. One, like, no, uh, one, one scene. Some couple lines. One little yeah, scene. Yeah. A but couple it's lines, but on the list. It is, yeah, yeah. I, we, Marco and I talked about this before, like, beforehand, how much Charlie Manson creeps us out. It's enough to remind you of the timeline yeah. of, like, 
oh yeah, the Manson family killed Sharon Tate, famously, mm-hmm. you know, the, the Tate, uh, uh, La, La Bianca, Bianca murders. Mm-hmm. So, and look, you know, just to go, okay, we're moving towards the date when this is going to happen. So even though the majority of this movie is relatively light and fluffy, you know, it's very sort of like, just a tone film about Hollywood in, in the late sixties. There's always this little bit of dread around the corners saying that something really, one of the most horrible things in LA history is going to happen. It's the end of 45 minutes to get there. It's also the, like the end of an era. Yeah. You know, that nobody really knew it. No No one knew that it was the death of Hollywood. It was the death of sixties idealism. And it's all coming at you it's a, in watching, slow motion, and, and you're the dread that you feel. Watching it's so poignant, though, isn't yeah. it? Because you know that all this beauty and all this innocence is about to like disappear. Right. Which is ironic, because it was never an innocent place. No, I mean, no. you know, no, it was idealistic. But, but yes. Yeah. yeah the, America's innocence is going to get blown apart very, very soon. And I think there's something elegiac about this, in mm. that Tarantino... I think this is, whether he would admit it or not, I think this is his favorite era of filmmaking. I think one of I really think so. I think if he could... This is one of the reasons why the film is so self-indulgent, because sometimes he seems like he's driving around L.A. in real time, because he just wants to look, oh, look, there's that restaurant I never got to go to. He's basking There's that landmark. He's basking basking in it. it. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Which, by the way, fantastic work on... I mean, I'm surprised by how many shots there are in this film going through prime L.A. and making it look exactly like it used to, which it looks nothing like now. With very little digital work being done. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, a lot of it was actually, you know, they actually built facades for these Well, I know that Musso and Franks is still there. Yeah, but they still had to redress it to look the way it did 50 years ago. And the original Taco Bell. The original. Oh, that was the big spoiler. Damn it. (laughs) God damn it. We ruined it. All right. Well, now all bets are off. Now that we talked about the Taco Bell reveal. That's exactly what I was going for. I was talking about anything. It wasn't the same. It didn't have the Doritos Locos Taco But it still sucks. But but that was was actually a brand new concept in fast food. It wasn't this schlocky big chain it is today. All right. Tacos in America. So, like I said, I want us to move towards the bigger discussion. So, before we get there, I'm just going to name off some of the other names of people who are in this film. Margaret Quali plays one of the uh, Manson family girls. Oh, she's so good. Uh, Austin Austin uh, Butler plays Charles Tex Watson. Dakota Fanning is Squeaky Fromm. Bruce Dern is George Spahn. Uh, Kurt Russell plays a stunt coordinator named Randy, who also serves as a narrator that comes out of nowhere yeah. in the third yeah, act. Yeah. I love that. Like, uh, okay. Zoe Zoe Bell has yeah. one of the be- best cameos in the whole film, playing yeah, his wife. Yeah. She's amazing. Michael Madsen plays a sheriff on the show Bot Bounty Law. Uh, Clifton <laughs> Collins Jr. is here. Scoot McNary. Of course, you won't recognize him because he's Scoot McNary. Scoot McNary's in everything. Yeah. Uh, Scoot <laughs> Lorenzo Izzo, uh, uh, Lou Temple, Rebecca Gayhart. I, I know Quinn Smith. I know that. Um, <laughs> I know that. Uh, How the Luke, women in Hollywood Luke Perry, show up to be a Manson. Luke Perry. This was his last film. It but was. where was he? No, he was. He was uh, in the scene with he the, was, with, with he the was, kidnapped child. He was the yeah, guy that comes yeah. in and the king. He's uh, one of the leads uh, of the movie. Yeah. Okay, yeah, the guy. The Lancer on the TV show yes. Lancer. Okay, see, Lancer. I was looking. I was like, I recognize that actor, but it had, I had forgotten already yeah. that oh, Luke Perry was in I mean, those things. He was in his fifties, right? I think, yeah. Like anyway, so in all that being said, we're going to go to final thoughts, then we're going to have our proper discussion. So, Marco, get us started. Okay. Well, we've talked a little bit around some of these issues, but 
This is a very long movie. I mean, the last time anything, the last time Tarantino made a movie less than two hours, I can't even remember when that was. Maybe Reservoir Dogs. Uh, This movie is almost in at three hours long. It is indulgent as hell. Uh, because Tarantino loves this world and he wants to spend time in it and show it off to us. Uh, this is one of my issues with the film in that I don't ha- need it to be very plot heavy. Tarantino's never been terribly concerned about plot so much as how he tells his story. And it just goes on too long and it drags, but there's no bad sequence in it. It's like you ordered, you ordered your main course and all night long they keep bringing you drinks and appetizers, but the main course never shows up. It's a small plates movie. And it's a small plates movie. Yeah. (laughs) It's very enjoyable in that bite sized kind of way, but there's just too damn much of it. Uh, yet nevertheless, I enjoyed it. I think the lead, uh, the leads are great. Uh, again, way too many people in it showing up. It's actually kind of distracting to go, oh, look, there's Michael Batson. Oh, look, there's Clue Gulliger. Oh, look, there's Zoe Bell. Oh, look, there's Maya Hawk. It gets a little bit exhausting because they show up and disappear very quickly. Nevertheless, I had a good time with this movie. Uh, I give this movie, uh, eight out of ten acid lace cigarettes. What about you, Ben? I'm a little bit more mixed on this movie. I agree with Marco. It is a love letter, almost to the point of literally him masturbating all over the concept <laughs> of 60s Hollywood, uh, which is an era I love very passionately. But it's also like, when Chris, when you were saying that it's like real-time driving through L.A., yes, it very much is, including with real-time you know, music, where like you get, okay, he's in this scene in this part of L.A. Here's like 30 seconds of a song. Great song. Then it's another song in basically the same driving sequence because time has passed. Oh, no. It's a Simpsons um, makeup shotgun of, like, <laughs> listening yeah. to radio songs in parts of this film where I'm just like, oh, for fuck's sake, stick to something. No, exactly. I was like, I'm like, damn it, I love that song. Like, I'm giving points because they weren't all the biggest hits that everybody, you know, today remembers. Some of them were some of the stuff that's like... Yeah, you actually have to know music of that era to remember that this song was popular then because it's not one that's survived necessarily past then. But it's like, but that's always been his thing, isn't it? Yeah, I, yeah it is. But it's like, yeah. let me listen that's to some of that. Hits. You know, let it let it live. You know, he, you know, Reservoir Dogs. Let let it have like where it has a feeling in the film as opposed yes. to yeah. just a scatter shot yeah. of wanting to get as many song references. And that's in my as point again, jerking off over the era. It's like yes. We get it. The music was great in this time. Music technically can be said to be great in many time periods. We don't have to hear an extra ten songs from that era. Let us enjoy the moment and have the moment painted by the song you're playing. Uh, I also agree with Marco on that. There's a lot of really good scenes in this movie. Some of them really don't feel like they add up to much for late. You know, there's even one that's one of my favorite long scenes, which is. Uh, where Brad Pitt gets to have his moment that they basically tease the whole way leading up with the Manson family, like, in the middle of the movie. And it's not... I can't say anything about it, but I will say it's, like, it's a great scene, What's but sequence? I feel like... The sequence, yeah, as I'm saying is, but I don't feel like it... I don't feel like it has any value to anything else in the movie. It could have been taken out, and it wouldn't really have any impact to anything else in the narrative, and that's the other thing, is the movie doesn't... Have a real narrative structure as much as you enjoy the characters. I feel like you don't get any real payoff from that. You get you get moments of payoff, but you don't get. I don't feel like you really get to feel entwined with this world, this movie. Past just going like, yeah, this is a great realization of this era of Hollywood. I don't know. I 
I definitely want to revisit it. Uh, probably not in theaters again because three hours in a theater for a movie you're not wild about is a bit difficult. So not quite three hours. Oh, pretty. It's close enough. Uh, I'll give it uh, six and a half out of ten tires that need to be fixed. Frank. Um, I'm going to quote Roger Ebert, who famously said, uh, no good movie is too long and no bad movie is short enough. Um, I thought you were going to go, I'll I'll take another sandwich. (laughs) I thought you were going to say, I wish I could still eat sandwiches. (laughs) Oh, no, that's too soon. Oh, my God, no. I feel terrible. I'm Roger Ebert, and I'm dead As the words were leaving your mouth, I hope you felt bad. At least I can still use my mouth. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, I'm just going to go shoot myself. I'm going to get that one up. You deserve that warm beer. Thank you. Could I have another? <laughs> um, the spirit. You know, I, I, I have to pretty much uh, disagree with everything everyone said. With the, well, or at the very least, consider everything you guys, all, all your criticisms as attributes. You're all wrong. No, I, I consider, consider your criticisms as attributes because I think that this um, this is one of those movies that, that so wonderfully... You know, we're, we were so conditioned to look at, you know, Act 1, Act 2, Act 3, structure, 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 you know, the essence of drama is conflict, and this movie doesn't need to adhere to any of those rules. This is about a mood, this is about a feeling, this is about a time and an era, and the shift that was taking place. And, you know, those are concepts, and it's hard to, like, sort of turn a concept into a film, but I think that he did it. He pulled it off, you know, in a wonderfully free-flowing, breezy nature that manages to be, you know, have this underlying tension, but also whimsical all the way through. And it's, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a fucking magic trick as far as I'm concerned. Um, I thought it was breezy. I really just was... I, I was in for the ride. I love that that there's no clear architecture to this film. And I don't. I really don't want there to be. I want to just go on his ride... I want to just, you know, experience his vision uncompromised the way he saw it. And, you know, I felt I did. And I, I, I mean, there was a smile on my face the entire way through. And um, we're not talking about the ending yet, are we? No, we are not. Okay, cool. Yeah, pre-ending, yeah. Can I say so, how I felt? You can talk about how okay. you felt after. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, when I'll we get the spoilers. Um, Dodge it. But, you know, and, you know... <laughs> I loved every bit of it. I loved watching, I mean, Rumor Willis, Rumor fucking Willis turns up as Joanna Pettit. Joanna Pettit, who was like one of my favorite actresses in Night Gallery. Huh. That is how like specific to the era, uh, you know, this film is. And I, and I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know what? And I'll take it. And th- th- that's one of the reasons I enjoyed it. And the fact that I'm watching this movie in July from fucking Columbia Pictures. I mean, yeah. I mean, this movie was for me. Um, you know, I'm right there with him in terms of just how in love you can be with this era. Um, I think I really do think that this has been anybody else but Tarantino that you know cinephiles all over the world will be having like a jizz fest over this film. I really do. Um, but I think it's Tarantino, and you know he's. You're watching it through a filter. Yeah, exactly, because sure. because it is Tarantino, and he is judged on a higher standard, just like Tim Burton, just like anyone who's made their name on a specific level of filmmaking. And so I understand that there are going to be Tarantino films who uh, fans who are not going to be that thrilled with this film, and it's going to and it is one of his lesser films, and you compare it, stack it against his other ones. Um, but for me, um, it's really where he is at his when he's at his most. Uh, um, Outdoor sort of mode, <laughs> um, really. Um, I love it. 
I'll watch it again. I don't care how fucking long it was. It felt like ten minutes to me. Um, I'm going to give this nine and a half mm, um, out of ten really adorable dogs. I just wanted yeah. to like, just jump yeah. in the screen. <laughs> oh, oh, it's so man. cute. Right? I can't yes. wait for the director's Rand- cut oh, where I get Rand- 20 more yeah. minutes of feet. Wait, the, the, the dog is Randy? <laughs> Randy, right? Randy? Randy. So his name oh, of the I thought it was Randy. No, it was Brandy. 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 Oh, okay, I so I was like, name of the Kurt Russell character? That's interesting. See? No, uh, it's, it's named after Kurt Russell's wife in Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, perfect. Yes. Uh, before I do my final thoughts, I want to point out I was looking at the Wikipedia page about a lot of the deleted scenes and actors that were cut mm. out. Man, James Marsden played Burt Reynolds. I know, oh I saw God. that. Why, right? get, yes. why didn't we get to see that? <laughs> I just want to that in the credits of his audition as Burt Reynolds would be great. Oh, yeah. Jack Nicholson is supposedly cut. in this please, movie, please, but I never almost, saw him. always going to be director's yeah. cut, Tarantino. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, uh, if anybody saw Jack Nicholson, I'd like to know where. No, I think it's saying somebody <laughs> was playing those characters, right? Just yeah. Jack Nicholson. Yeah, because oh, Clue okay. Gulager is not alive, right? No, no Clue Gulager is alive. Is it? Are they alive? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's the bookseller. He's the guy who sells <laughs> oh, her the book. I just, I oh, you're Chris right. Is just like, he's not alive. He's in the damn movie. I thought he was no, dead. No, Rucker Howard's one. I said, I'm so sorry. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Wow. I just dated this This review movie. will be lost yeah. like tears in the rain. <laughs> yes. Um, you're crying my view now. I... I have mixed feelings about this film, but that being said, it's an enjoyable enough ride going through it. I agree with you, Frank, on the level of it is totally like a tone poem tribute to this period of time. It's really enjoyable watching Leo and Brad Pitt together on screen. I mean, put them together in something else. Oh my god! Yeah. Yes. Have you done anything together? Like, make them buddies. Every again fourth movie. Let's have. Yeah. Them I want just a buddy cop movie with them. Or uh, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, they are so charming together. You just <laughs> love them. You know, they're just adorable. Um, and Brad Pitt, especially though. I mean, Leo yeah. is pulling the acting chops. I mean, there's points that Leo is just. Nailing it. But he's Leo DiCaprio. Brad is here to be like Tarantino's vision of 60s machismo and and he's his Steve McQueen in this movie. And he's having such a good time. And he's having such a good time with it that it transfers to you and you're just like, God, I love every scene with Brad Pitt in this movie. He's so good. I finally found him attractive. 55 years old. (laughs) Has he finally reached that point? Yeah, I never thought he was hot. He's got enough scars now. I never thought he was hot until like, yeah, okay, yeah. DiCaprio is a great star who's playing a good actor and Brad Pitt is just a, a star in this yeah, movie. Yeah. And he's just like, I'm being Brad Pitt. This is probably what Brad Pitt's like on his off as Brad Pitt is uh. As Brad Pitt has aged further into being an actor, he's in like, it's like, no, you just literally are having so much fun with every character you play. You just fully own it, and it just nails it yeah, on screen more and more. So the, right all that, that being yeah. said, uh, Margot R- R- Robbie is totally wasted in this film, in my opinion. She She's doing her best to and, – and she does. She really looks like Sharon Tate. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And she's got that – I mean, if you've ever seen Sharon Tate interviews, she's got it down. And Sharon Tate just wasn't that interesting. Yeah. She's just kind of a she, like she, a she, blonde she, bombshell she Hollywood actress. More than what she, oh, she's I know. a symbol. I think. But yeah, yeah. she's not given anything truly interesting to do in this film. All her scenes in this film are the most Quentin Tarantino sucking the cock I of think, Hollywood. I think, yeah, I think it's really. Scene. I mean, she she really just. Um, <laughs> What, what what Sharon Tate represents to everybody in real life is what Margot Robbie really you know, is the purpose Margot Robbie serves in this film. Yeah, so, quite possibly. Yeah. Um, I, she's so there to be love, luminous and remind you what we I, lost. I loved watching her watching her movie. 
in yes. you know, during that sequence because it was that like, was endearing. It, it was watching her watching her dream come true, but it went on too watching, long. Yeah, oh, no, it I did. thought it, I mean I was basking. I mean, I and there's a lot of that. Like they were like uh, digitally inserting the actors into some classic films, but they didn't with her. Did you notice that they did not with her? That was actually that was actually no, but they respected. Was that actually Sharon Tate? They respected Sharon Tate and just used her real footage. They didn't respect Steve McQueen for the great. That's the big spoiler, Chris. No, it's you ruined the escape reveal. They all go to space and no. become the last Starfighter. I oh, love, wait, that's I love, right. I love Damian Lewis, but there's only one Steve McQueen. I'm sorry. No, I mean, like, the, mo- the Steve McQueen the Steve is McQueen. so incredibly iconic. And Damian Lewis is a solid actor. Yeah, I really like Damian Lewis is an actor. But yeah. it's super distracting seeing him and try to play really Steve McQueen. it's necessary to have been there, except for, like... Steve McQueen literally shows up to deliver some exposition. Yeah, 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 yeah. One scene. Part, but that part scene was so great. I mean, that was... I mean, I was... Sure. 60s Hollywood. There's that point where you should have looked at it and gone like, I think people have less problems with this if we CG Grand Moff Tarkin the shit. (laughs) We haven't even talked about Mike Moe as Bruce Lee. Well, whatever. It's still my final thought. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I thought you'd be already (laughs) dead. Sorry, we'll shut up now. Um, The alcohol. The movies for the first two thirds is light and kind of fluffy. It's almost bubbly. Um, It doesn't really have a plot. It's just meandery. And sometimes that's great, and other times it's kind of haphazard in a weird way. Like, there's a scene of the Playboy Mansion that starts by subtitling who famous people are, and then just kind of abandons it right afterwards. And we're like, well, there's clearly other people in it. We're like, oh, that I think that's who that is. And I'm even looking at Wikipedia going, wow, there's a whole list of people who were there, who were supposed to be there, and they didn't do it. It's like, why did you start that and not continue well, on with like, it? Fly on the wall in Hollywood. Hey, final thoughts. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> see, we're all goddamn it. I know, this we're movie. just so passionate. Damn it. But there's stuff like that throughout it that just felt sloppy and haphazard to me, where it's like, okay, that was a weird decision to make. I have not been as big a fan of Tarantino as a lot of other people have for the last several movies, although I was the guy who thought his last one was the best one he had done in years. Yeah, yeah I, I thought that was fantastic with the exception of the flashback scene, but overall it was like one of the best movies he's done since um, uh, Jackie Brown. Uh, this one is just... I don't even know how to classify this in the list because it's so different than his normal output up until the last 20 minutes. It's just like, okay, we've never really seen a Tarantino movie tonally this way. Now, referentially, we've seen this movie <laughs> from him because it is just nonstop. Wasn't this period of Hollywood great? We know. I've actually been to one of your film fests when you would show your private collection in Austin. Oh, the feet the, collection that was, has a great picture of <laughs> No, he would come to Austin <laughs> at the old Dobie Mall and with his own 35mm collection, he would screen films from his collection of like collection. these type of films uh, that you yeah. saw referenced yeah. in this movie. And it was it was cool, but you were all, almost all of them, you were like, yeah, dude, I mean, this is entertaining, but this ain't no classic. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. And this whole film... Is entertaining, but it ain't no classic. Uh, I'm going to give it 7 out of 10. Just this one's for you, Ben. Uh, uh, surreptitious close-up feet scenes. Because <laughs> there's more in this than in any Tarantino well, yeah. film. There's two. No, three. Yeah. And there's, lengthy. And they're held for a long time. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's two. Well, there's actually really two, but one's broken up. But yeah. all right, so now we've reached the point yeah, that we're going spoiler. to spoilers here. At already thirty minutes or a normal review. I thought we would got to this way before this. So <laughs> Jesus, if, if it's you, Tarantino. If you don't want to know, proportional to the movie itself. If you haven't already seen it, stop now.
Have you stopped? Are you gone? Okay, good. All right, let me just say this. He straight up said, I really didn't, I, I feel like Tarantino said, a lot of people had problems with what I did with killing Hitler and Inglorious Bastards. And so I, fuck I'm kind of coming around. No, no, I think, it, I think, it, I think it was kind of like partially. From, I, I yes. feel like to some degree he was like, maybe they have a point. It came out of nowhere. Nothing led up to it. Nothing else in the movie indicated it was an alternate history. It served no real good purpose in the plot overall. It was just kind of a extra gimme that didn't really work because of the way it was structured. This entire movie is structured around it's sure. an alternate history mm-hmm. ending premise as being the twist, but which honestly, that, so. but you do really early on. Kind of I, there's a I, scene I where Brad Pitt goes to the spawn ranch and starts realizing these people are not good. And I was like, Oh, you see, okay. I understand completely yeah. how this here's, is going to happen. Here's what I, I, I thought was going to happen. It, probably. I was like, no, I was, because I was dreading that moment. Right, right. And I, we well, talked about we this. We did talk about this beforehand. I mean, and I, I, when, when that was coming up, I was like, and we were still laughing because yeah. there were laughs leading up to that big moment. And, and I was like, I feel guilty of laughing. Like, and now it's coming. It's coming. The fun has to end. That fun has to end. And all this enjoyment I'm having is not really, is it's going to go. I mean, and she's the ticking yeah. clock. We know the date. We know what happens. And what I thought yeah, was they keep showing you on the screen like yeah. with fucking Law and Order with the time yeah. and data. Yeah, you almost expect it to be a countdown. But but, but here's that. the thing where I, I'm okay with that Spawn Ranch sequence because what I thought was going to happen, and I was so sure I was right, and I was glad to be wrong, but I really thought what was going to happen is the murder was going to go down. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of subscribe to that sort of lame Doctor Who theory that there are fixed points in time that you can't sure. alter. Yeah, exactly. Which is yeah. like a convenient thing to do when uh-huh. those screenwriters so get went, lazy. You went into this thinking Doctor Who rules? Yes. Yeah, you know, I know, right? <laughs> hey, hey, you know, but you after know, you killed Hitler, why not? Rick Dalton is Doctor Blood. I, what I thought was going to happen is <laughs> they were going to kill everybody there that night. The way history shows. And then Rick and, uh, uh, what's the other guy's name? Uh, uh, Cliff. Cliff. We're going to go, holy fuck, those were those dudes you saw at the ranch. Fuck those people. Let's go and well, just beat them down. That's part of my issue of that. The, that's the, what I thought the, was going to happen. The ranch scene has almost no valuation to the end of the movie besides being a good scene. Because even well, when he recognizes them, it doesn't fucking matter. Because well, his guy is bald. No, that's, no, that's, I don't agree. A, it grounds it in a reality. I don't agree. I think the reason for that whole scene is to add humor to that scene yeah. at the I end guess. to make it not as dark. Uh, because otherwise, it's brutally violent. I, I watch really, it. Brad Pitt... <laughs> Brutally right. murders oh, yeah. the members yeah. uh, uh, right. of the Manson. I mean, and I, I was watching it, going like, "Holy shit!" The he basically only way them. you could have <laughs> this scene happen with a guy murdering women this violently yeah. is if they're the Manson family. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was a very uncomfortable moment for me. It's still the least violence out of any of his movies. Really. The, I don't know about well, that. I it's pretty so. Only three it. people die. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I say the Inglorious Bastards one that you mentioned. I'm one of the guy people who really loves Inglorious Bastards, and I feel like while we say that scene felt like it came out of nowhere. I feel like it was still within line with the violence and everything else in the movie. Whereas, like, there's almost nothing in this movie that leads up to tonally how brutal that scene is at the end of this one. And, like, the closest you get is Brad Pitt giving that kid a bloody nose. Like, a fucking heavy hit bloody nose. And and him all all but beating the crap out of Bruce Lee earlier. I guess, but there's no blood that's a very, you know, like, 
action figure fight scene type of thing. Right, but it establishes what an incredible badass no, he is. No, I guess. I mean, that point where, like, they not, kill Squeaky Frog with a flamethrower. No, I'm saying, I still don't have an issue with that last scene. I think she's I enjoyed. I, I enjoyed it because it was kind of crazy, and it was fun. And I also, I really want to say, I, I love bit. the very last scene, of, like, the, the outcome after that, yeah. when he's being carted away, and he gets invited yeah. up to the house, and it's like, yes, and this changes Hollywood forever, and not just because... But Sharon I, I Tate's think, still alive, but because of what he I, can do with Polanski. I, I wanna, I, it really made me cry, that whole scene. Yeah. And I really got the title of it. You know, it's yeah, a one it's, it's, it's a, a fairy tale. It's a this fairy is, tale. This is a fairy tale. This is, the, this is what we wish would have played out. Would have and this yeah. sets up earlier the feeling that this is not reality. Right. That this is an alternate reality, which is what Inglorious Bastards for me was an issue. It was like, I never got the feeling they weren't trying to say this is a thing that could have happened. But it's also, you know? oddly, and here it works as a tribute to... To yeah. her and to the era. Although, weirdly, really. second film this year that speculates what would have happened if the Manson family hadn't successfully killed them. Really? Uh, it was called uh, The Haunting of Sharon Tate. I know. And oh, it's oh, awful. The Hillary Duff one? Yeah. It's oh, awful. But I same thing. That came same out. thing. She's still on it. Ends, it ends with a thing with, like, they survive. They fight back and they survive. Oh, God. And then That's there's the this lame idea. thing at the end where it's like, like, what if things had happened this way? You're like, oh, for fuck's sakes. Tarantino, and like I said, I disagree with you, Ben, strongly. I think the whole point of setting up that Spawn Ranch scene, scene earlier is to just add to how incredibly funny that last 20 minutes is. And it really is. Oh, it is. It's setting out, yeah. it up to be like, oh, shit, oh, shit. But as an audience member, you're never really but so scared because you know Brad Pitt is there. Yeah. And yeah. you know he what but an the, ultimate, the, almost unrealistic, unreal, I mean, he beat up Bruce Lee. Yeah. What unrealistically <laughs> a badass he is that you're just like, okay, that, this is going to be fine and it's probably going to be a lot of fun. Fetish. And it sure yeah. enough is. And then the top it off, the cherry on the cake is Leo coming in with a flamethrower from right. his movie oh and torching God. Squeaky oh, Thumb. Yeah. You're just no, like, that wasn't Squeaky Not Squeaky. Yeah, oh, right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Somebody else. Yeah, I can't remember who. Which was Bobby and also, also seeing from him with a blender pitcher of margarita <laughs> in his bathrobe and shorts, like telling the Manson family, like, get the fuck out of the street. It, I, yeah. In some ways, being able to predict that this was what was going to happen saved it for me. Where when I got to that ending, I was having a just glorious time with that. The moment oh, yeah. the Manson mm-hmm. family shows up at the end, from to till the end of the movie, I was like, okay, now here's where the movie is totally Mark, doing you, exactly yeah, what I was. You nailed it, for. Marco. You said like how much you, the ending will will depend on how much you appreciate this this film. Yeah. For me, it really was. I, I was so moved by it's, it. It's a beautiful moment when you yeah. see these. Bright, vibrant people who never live long enough to become horrible, miserable people we hate. In his world, he, but, they get to. But they get to. Yeah. And it also saves Rick's career as well. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I wanted to cry. Yeah. I mean, like, legit wanted to who cry. Who knows? Maybe if Sharon Tate had been alive and had stayed alive, maybe Polanski wouldn't be in exile in Europe after fucking all of those underage kids. I mean, <laughs> oh, I, I'm sorry. Oh, underage kids is a... Is a no. waiting on that one. Uh, he is kind of a I've child molester. A just a genius. I'm here, man. I mean, Come on. But, but yeah, I'm not going to be the guy to defend Roman I'm not going to be the guy to defend Roman Polanski, <laughs> but I will say that there's no question that him making bad decisions for a decade or so was probably connected 
to his wife being murdered and his unborn child being cut out of her stomach. Oh, he Probably had some, something to, to do with him it. Up and yeah. Although <laughs> it should be pointed out that yeah. he was cheating on her while this happened. I mean, yeah. she was doing the same so thing. So he was also she kind was of a shitty too. person. Uh, she was. She, she had this weird it thing. Was the break her and Jay Sebring, yeah. yeah. None of these people are great, but, but what Tarantino does is find the best in those people. Exactly. And does something that I do think is a corrective. Because if you can recall, there was a time, like, say, in the 80s, up to the 90s, that... Frank and I were talking about when we were kids, Charlie Manson was genuinely scary. Yeah. He was genuinely a, a figure of fear. You know, ever since they put out that Hanna-Barbera cartoon show with him, it's just not you know, the same. Ah, and I would have gotten away with it, too, uh, <laughs> if it hadn't been for you meddling FBI agents. Uh, no, what happens is that... Uh, meddling feds, come on. What happened is that somewhere along the way, Manson became a cartoon. Uh-huh. And he kind of became mainstream. You had a lot of people... Who were like doing collaborations with him? Who were like sponsoring his art? Who were writing fan letters to himself? Really? There was a fascination with this guy who is was an inherently a garbage person, and the people who followed him, the majority were garbage people. Uh, maybe some of them were brainwashed, whatever. But how stupid an individual must you be to look at Charlie Manson and think, yeah, this is the guy with the answers? <laughs> And Tarantino is saying, you know what? Fuck that guy. Why is that guy famous? And Sharon Tate's career died. Exactly. Yeah. You well, know, I mean, fuck is, that guy. I'd rather those same, people. It's a fantasy. It's the yeah. same instinct that he was doing with Inglorious Bastards, yeah. except that one didn't. You don't feel like it was coming from the right. heart to the same no, level. No, 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 it was out of nowhere. And this yeah. one, the whole movie is leading up to this sure. yeah. about this idea of like, God, I love this period so much. How much more amazing would it have yeah. been if things had gone a different way and building up these characters? I'm liking the movie more the more I'm talking about it. But like, the more you talk about it, sure. would be, would have been justice. Yeah. You, what he felt was, was, you know, what should It's have a been. corrective. Yeah, exactly. It is a corrective. You know, I mean, he saved three people instead of six million Jews. But you know what? So what? He saved a life. I, th- I really think... That, but even that, if it's that, only in fantasy. I really think this is the Tarantino film people are going to like more and more uh, as the years go by. Possibly really so. Yeah. yeah. Possibly I, I think so. it will grow like most of us. So I, I, now I wish he had directed DiCaprio in Titanic because at least then the boat would never have sunk. <laughs> yeah, they would be like, hey, and even if it's an sank, iceberg... <laughs> Even if it's, it's, like, it's just a nice movie about a great ocean yeah. voyage with yeah, a lot so of fans. Even if it's saying they would have still found a way for Jack and Rose to fit on that plank I was together. Say, Marco, we would have had way too many rich assholes still left alive that happened. No, what he would have wow. had is Cliff would have okay. shown up and taken Billy Zane <laughs> and thrown him at the what iceberg until it shattered <laughs> and the Titanic just passed harmlessly through the wake of it. But yeah, you know, it, it is Tarantino going, look, this was a horrible injustice. And I wish I could fix it. Mm-hmm. I can't, but I can do it this through art. This is the art. closest I can do. It yeah. killed this era in Hollywood yeah. and in it LA. It killed the sixties. It was like the that that mark, that demarcation point where you're like, wow, this is when that feeling of like anything goes and like everything's permissible. I mean, there's a scene where Shan, uh, Sharon Tate Don't. almost said Shannon. I know. Uh, <laughs> just picks up a hitchhiker. She's a famous Hollywood actress and she picks up some chick hitchhiking on the side of the road. Gives and her like, good luck yeah, on yeah. the adventure. I was like, yeah. that would never in a billion yeah. years you happen after Lawrence the Jennifer Lawrence doing that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, she probably would, actually. I, I, not, think, not, not, no, I think Jennifer Lawrence would. would. I mean, if me show me anything, only no. Keanu Reeves would yeah, do Only Keanu Reeves would do Because he could also kick your ass. He's the guy 
lot. Terrified of him and his yeah, actually, because Keanu, Keanu Bullock would do that. Keanu would pick you up. He'd have a great conversation the whole way. You'd never realize that under his coat he had a gun pointed at That's you right. the whole time. Do kaboom! Sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up because we're already at forty, almost yes. forty-five minutes. But uh, tenth of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> you guys still here? Sorry. Not a tenth, man. <laughs> oh, you know what? You said maybe you're feeling a little bit better about this well, movie. No, do we need to do Final Thoughts Part 2? No, no, no. I mean, I, it, have I, you really changed I'm on like, this? Final thoughts I'm like 7.3. Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. Now, three. It sounds like a 5-point point. point. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's just sinking slowly as Frank gets happier about it. I, I, go, I just, uh, yeah. I wanted... Your energy. <laughs> I wanted... It to a 9.7. I wanted this to be better than it is. For some people, this is going to be, like Frank, a glorious experience. Yeah. And even as I'm watching it going, this isn't connecting as much with me as I want it to. I can see there's nothing wrong with it either. And I know people who this is going to be just like... Cracked. Oh, yeah. Gonna, I mean, especially if you're people who like costume design and yeah, sets yeah. and period piece stuff. I definitely you're going to be mean, all this, over. This is not going to be oh, for the mainstream if you, audience. If you love spaghetti yeah, western posters. posters. I don't think so. Oh, that part alone had me so excited. Yeah. Which yeah. part? The spaghetti western posters. Oh, yeah. Oh, right, fake spaghetti yeah. western oh, stuff. Oh, my God. Well, that I could connect with. I'm yeah. like, yeah. These are all based on real posters. So I was like, oh, yeah, I know these. But, excuse me. That was also part of the movie. We're having beverages. That was the point three he added to the that was my point three. Point three of that belch. Yeah. <laughs>